Good morning. I'm a compulsive reader from Maryland. Today's date is August 21st. Today in chapter eight, with the first full paragraph, start. It Amy. Goes. Yes. Excuse me. It's too twangy. Really? Hmm. Yes. I'm going to come in. Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Leah and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Wednesday, August 21st, 2013. Today we're reading from the big book. You will find this on page 66 with the first paragraph beginning, It is Plain. Today's readers are Michelle, Sally, Sharon, and Fran. And the share ID for Tuesday, August 19th, 2013, is 4981. That's 4981. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. This meeting's primary purpose is to abstain, to recover from compulsive overeating, and to carry this message of recovery to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At A Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now call on Rose to read the 12 steps, please. Thank you. The 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. 5. Admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. 6. Were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. 7. Humbly asked Him to remove our shortcomings. 8. Made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. 9 made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. 10. Continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood Him praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we try to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Pass. Thank you. I will now call on Margaret Kay to read the Twelve Traditions. Good morning. Good morning, Leah. Good morning, Vision for You. This is Margaret Kay, recovered in South Jersey. Number one, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority. A loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. 
Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group would never endorse, finance, or lend OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise. Thus, problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group should, ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, overeaters anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name would never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relation policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles principles before personalities. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Margaret. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked. To what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. And good morning, everybody. Today we resume our study of the big book. We are in Chapter 5, entitled How It Works. We're on page 66. The very first full paragraph, beginning with, it is plain that a life, and I will ask Michelle to begin reading, please. Good morning, Leah. Good morning, everyone. This is Michelle H., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Missouri. Um, It is plain that a life which includes deep resentment leads only to futility and unhappiness. To the precise extent that we permit these, do we squander the hours that might have been worthwhile. But with the alcoholic, whose hope is the maintenance and growth of a spiritual experience, this business of resentment is infinitely grave. We found that it is fatal. For when harboring such feelings, we shut ourselves off from the sunlight of the spirit. The insanity of alcohol returns, and we drink again. And with us, to drink is to die. So we're we're discussing step four. We're discuss, discussing the first action step. And um, at the top of the page, you know, it says to conclude that others were wrong or as far as we ever got or that most of us ever got. And so in taking step four, that first column, the first and second column, that was as far as I ever got. Um, and that was the deep resentment. I was resenting other people, blaming other people. And it says that a life, which includes this, which my life included, um, would lead only to futility and unhappiness. And I looked up in the Big Book Dictionary, what does futility mean? It says something done of no use or value. So that's useless. It also says uselessness, something done of no use or value. So futility, I, I was useless and I was unhappy. That sense of uselessness and unhappiness, that that's the despair that I was living in. That was my life. And it says to the precise extent that we permit these, um, which I did, I did permit them, I was squandering the hours. I was squandering away my life, being useless, unhappy. It says, but that might have been worthwhile. It could have, I could have been worthwhile. I could have been useful. Um, because what's happening is 
um, they told me the solution to my problem, which is, you know, I have a spiritual malady and I, I, I have a spiritual remedy, and that remedy is a maintenance and growth of a spiritual experience. And so refreshing my memory in, you know, Appendix 2, that spiritual experience is that awareness of a power greater than me, greater than ourselves. And the more religious members say that's God consciousness. Well, I'm blocked. As long as I am in this business, as long as I'm busying my life with resentments and living in resentments, um, that's that's fatal for me. I'm It's fatal because I'm not going to be able to grow and have that spiritual experience, which I need. I need that spiritual experience. That's my solution. As long as I stay here, stay stuck in resentment, um, I'm going to continue on a life of futility and unhappiness. Why? They tell me, because I'm blocking God. I'm blocking the sunlight of the spirit. I'm blocking having a spiritual experience. I'm blocking the awareness of God. I'm blocking God coming into that space. God is there. God is always present. He's always been there, but I'm just blocking it. I'm shutting the door. I'm not opening the door. I'm shutting myself off. No, no, I'm not going to let the sunlight of the Spirit in as long as I continue this business. You know, it's an inventory, and Bill's referring to it. This is a business of resentment. That's how I'm living. What happens if I continue along this path? What happens if I don't continue to go into the column and to have this turnaround and see my part in it? so that I can open up and have the spiritual experience. Well, it tells me what's going to happen, the insanity. The insanity is going to return, and I'm going to drink, I'm going to eat again. And for, for me, a real compulsive overeater, that's death. That is real death, living in futility and unhappiness and, and continuing down that path, that business of resentment. It is fatal to me. I know that today. And, you know, the beauty of this is that there is hope, you know, my hope is in the maintenance and growth of a spiritual experience. And if I just continue on this path of these steps and, and I just have, you know, rely on a power greater than myself and, and the belief that a power greater than myself can restore me to sanity and that I can have a life which is worthwhile, it might be worthwhile, it might be. Um, there's a promise there. But what do I need? I need that spiritual remedy. I need to become unblocked. And as long as I stay in this business of resentment, I'm blocked. I'm doomed. It's fatal for me. Um, but it gets more hopeful because, you know, this, I'm given these spiritual tools, and I'm told that there is a way. Michelle, we lost you. Can you press star okay. one? All right, I'm back again. There um, you are. Okay, thank you so much. Um, I, I will just say I don't know where I got where I got lost or off the path, but um, basically I'll just end with saying that yes, I this business um, that I'm in of resenting and seeing that people had wronged me and that was as far as I got. That's grave. That's fatal. Um, but it can be turned around if I continue. Um, but they're just having me take a look at this. You know, why do I need to take this step? because this is fatal business that I'm that I'm involved in and I can have a life that's worthwhile but not as long as my life continues to include deep resentment because I'll only continue to get futility which is uselessness and unhappiness which for me dispels spells out despair and will bring me back to that insanity insanity and I will eat again and for me a real compulsive overeater to eat is to die um, but there is hope so I don't want to leave with that, but that, that's what this is driving home for me. I must understand this. I must understand this so that I will want to get out of this mire. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you, Michelle. Would anyone else like to share on what was read, please? This is Paula. May I ask you? Yes, Paula, go ahead. Thank you. This is Paula, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. You know, I have to say and that this is one of the turning points when I finally read this to the level and the depth that what it said. It is plain that a life which includes deep resentment leads only to futility and unhappiness. I couldn't see it. I couldn't see it because I was still at that place where, well, if others were wrong, 
you know, and, and we were going to get even, and, and, and revenge was mine, and, oh, my, futility and happiness, and it grows. You know, if it only would stay in a compartment in my head, but it didn't. It grew into every area of my life. It says mental, physical, and spiritual. It does. It encompasses everything. But this part, to the precise, now look at what it says, extent that we permit these. It had nothing to even do with the other person. We permit these. Do we squander? What is to squander? To fling away, to waste. We squander the hours that might have been worthwhile. Wait, it's not just you. You see, that's what it was always about, just self. What about the child that's waiting? What about the husband? What about the elderly mom? Squandered the hours that might have been useful. Oh, no, no. I'm going to sit right here. And, you know, what about those, as, as um, the doctor's opinion talks about, those on the fire li- firing line, see the tragedy, the despairing wives, the little children. This thing goes on. But there it is. But with the alcoholic, whose hope? There it is. Whose hope is the maintenance and growth of a spiritual experience? Isn't that what it says? How do we overcome this? It's when the spiritual malady is overcome. Only then do we straighten out mentally and physical. That's why we do what we do. It has nothing to do whether I like doing this. It was I hated the life I was living. This line, for when harboring such feelings, and oh yeah, safe place for them. Oh, yeah. Remember the word cherish? Oh, yeah, that part, too. Harboring such fear. We shut ourselves off, not the resentment, not the person, the anger. We shut ourselves off, we, from the sunlight of the spirit. And there you shriver. You shrivel up. Your life becomes smaller. And then it says clearly, the insanity of alcohol returns, and we drink again. With us is to drink is to die, but I'm going to cling to that hope, and that's what I did, the maintenance and growth of a spiritual experience. Thank you for allowing me to share, and with that, I do pass. Thank you, Paula. Would anyone else like to share on what was read, This is Bella, can I share? Go ahead, Bella. Bella, and then Kim. Good morning. My name is Bella, and I am a compulsive overeater. Um, Yes, I would like to see the sentence, this business of resentment. Yes, the resentment is a business. And like the owner of any kind of a business, he is looking to make his business bigger and to grow up and to be as, as big as possible. And this is the resentment. You know, we start with the resentment only against one person, one institute, one little thing, and then it comes a business because we found that we have not only one person in our life, we have other people involved in our, in our life. We had other institutions, other places, and then we go. The business just go. And it says... Um, uh, is infinitely grave. We found that it is a fatal. Yes, this is the the beginning and the end of life because we get choked. We are choking with this kind of business because we are, you know, we are not doing the the positive inventory. We are busy with with dealing with the resentment, and you know, it's like. We shut ourselves up. Yes, we are not coming to nowhere because, again, when we have the resentment, when we take control, when we believe that we have the control, we want to manage the people, we want to manage life, we want the people should act exactly the way we want. And this is when we we feel like, like we die because it's not a life. We are choking. We cannot be happy. And only by accepting that there is a, a power greater than us, when we believe that there is God, that he, he has the control, when we open ourselves up 
to to the spirit values then when we can live again and that is the hope the hope is yes we have to do the right choice to believe in a spiritual values and by this i will pass thank you thank you bella kim go ahead good morning amy good morning my fellows my name is kim g and i'm a recovered compulsive overeater from south jersey this is getting serious. I mean, in this one paragraph, they've killed us at least three times. You know, resentment is instantly grave. We found it is fatal. To drink is to die. They're trying to build that urgency. They're building that urgency because, you know what, if we stay in those first three columns, nothing is going to change. Nothing. So they're letting us know that if we stay in these resentments, if we stay in why, the cause, if we admit how it affected us, and we don't look at what, how we contributed to it, what's going to change? So there really isn't any hope right now. The hope right now is that we're going to die if we don't change. This is the urgency that the big book is getting us to. So this sentence, to the precise extent that we permit these, which is resentment, do we squander the hours that might have been worthwhile? We squander. So I look up that word squander. It says to waste in a reckless and foolish manner, to allow to pass, allow an opportunity to pass or be lost. So that person that hurt us in 1985, they might have they might have hurt us in a horrific way, but in 2013, I am choosing to squander the hours. It's all about getting our own way. That is what is torturing us. So what is the getting our own way in the past is a resentment. Not getting our own way in the present is anger and depression. And not getting our own way in the future is fear. So that is what this is getting us to. That is why we squander the hours. And if we do not change, it's infinitely grave. We found that it was fatal. And we're going to drink. And for us to drink is to die. So if we don't get past these three columns, which I find is a common mistake, because we see the three columns written, and we think that's our fourth step. I did that for a long time. I never got to this fourth column, which is described but not shown in a list. So especially for those of you who are out there like me, who've been in LA a decade, two decades, three decades, have said, I've done a thousand fourth steps. There's been no change. Look at these specific directions. Recognize that we are going to squander the hours that might be worthwhile if we don't get to this fourth column, which we're going to describe in the next few paragraphs, because those first three columns, in many ways for me, reinforced, reinforced my resentment, reinforced my victimhood, reinforced my martyrdom. And if we don't want to squander today and we don't want to squander tomorrow, we need to get to that fourth column. So listen to this. This is not about hope. This is about futility, fatality, grave, fatal, died, futility, unhappiness. And that's where we're going to stay if we don't get to that fourth column. And with that, I pass. Thank, thank you, Kim. Would anyone else like to share on what was read, please? Haya. Leia. Go ahead. Go ahead, Haya, and then Leia, please. Hi, thanks, Amy. Hi, everybody. This is Haya Recovered, Compulsive Eater and Bulimic in Dallas, Texas. Um, you know, it's so interesting what they had us do. You know, they had us do these three columns because we're taking inventory. And when a business takes inventory, they have to take out all the stuff that, you know, they, that, you know it's not good. <laughs> right? So they gave us instructions on how to find it. Right? Let's take a, make a grudge list. Make a grudge list. Who are you angry at? Who are you resentful at? Who are all those people, places, institutions that you know you're you're mad at? And make a grudge list. Write it down. We, we've been discussing it over the last couple of days. Write their name. Write what, why, and then how it affects you. And that's where we are. That's where we were yesterday. That's that's where they've taken us. And when what's illuminated through those three columns, as Kim just shared, is Look what it's doing to me. Look how it's affecting me. Look at this. And in this column, it's saying, you know, it's plain. It's obvious. 
that a life which includes deep resentment leads to futility and unhappiness, right? That we waste away hours that we could have been worthwhile, which when we took the third step, we made a commitment to being worthwhile to God, to serving God. You know, when it says freedom isn't free, you know, I can either be, you know, a servant of the food and self, because food is just a symptom, so a servant of self or a servant of, of God, and I chose to be a servant of God. But, but, with the alcoholic or the compulsive eater, whose hope is the maintenance and growth of a spiritual experience, with resentment squanders, right? This business of resentment is infinitely grave. My daughter, um, the doctor told her that she can't have gluten. And I said, well, isn't it kind of like I've heard, like it's, it's you know, I know like gluten's like, I don't know, isn't it kind of good for like a lot of people to be off gluten? And he said, you know, for a lot of people it's good to be off gluten, but she has to be off gluten. So is it good to not have resentment? Yeah, because it, it, it's, you know, futility and happiness, not so, not so great. But you know what, for a compulsive eater or an alcoholic, they have to be rid of this because otherwise we eat again. And if we eat, we die because we cut ourselves off from God, which is our only hope. So they gave us the instructions to make this grudge list, to illuminate, to show us how, how, uh, how much it's been taking over our lives. We are not at the fourth column yet. A lot of people yesterday were talking about the fourth column. We are not there. We're almost there. We're a paragraph away. They're going to start to turn it around. But right now they're showing us, look at the bad stuff. Look at what it's doing. Look at what these broken items, these stained items, these, these um, damaged goods are doing to your business. Look, we want to get rid of them because if they're on the shelf, your business is not going to run to full capacity. And then we might want to look at why we have these, why we've allowed these things to happen, and that's what we're about to get to. So right now, what they're doing, as I understand, it's just my opinion about what's said here and my experience, is they're showing us that the way we have been living can no longer go on. Because now it's not just about me, it's about God. Because that's what I did in step three. I made that decision. So I, I can't live like this. I can't live like this. I must. There's another must, right? Only requirement for membership is a desire to stop eating, but that's not the requirement to recover. There's a lot of musts, and this is one of them. Thanks so much for letting me share, and I want to welcome anyone who's new. I hope you'll stay. Thanks. Thank you, Haya. Leah, go ahead, please. Thanks so much. Good morning, everybody. My name is Leah. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you. Uh, it says here, we found that it is fatal for when harboring, when holding such feelings, we shut ourselves off from the sunlight of the spirit. The insanity of alcohol returns and we drink again. And with us, to drink is to die. Um, you know, essentially, when when I hold on to these types of feelings, this resentment, um, I'm basically paralyzed. I'm basically paralyzed because all I end up doing is just replaying that incident or that conversation, that situation over and over and over again, you know, <laughs> saying, you know, if, if only this hadn't happened, what if this had happened instead? What if I had said this instead? What if she had done that instead? What if I had done this instead? It's just a replaying. It's a, it's a paralysis. It affects my ability to get on with my life. It's a waste of time. And I'm like the walking wounded because I cannot live today. <laughs> I cannot live free in the day today, the day that God presents me today. Uh, if, if my mind is focusing on something that happened yesterday or last year or last decade, you know, um, it is a waste of time. And, of course, as it says here, it shuts myself off from the sunlight of the spirit. That's the worst thing. I'm blocked off from God. I'm blocked off from God. I'm blocked off from God. I don't feel good. And my mind can only take that state for so long. When I'm blocked off from God, I feel bad. It's like holding your breath underwater. My mind can only take that for so long until I'm going to start seeking relief. And my, my mind never forgets that sense of ease and comfort that comes from those first few bites. And after a while, that obsession of the mind, the greater aspect of the disease, 
convinces me that picking up that first bite is the best idea I've had in a long time. And, of course, we pick up that bite. It triggers the allergy, the phenomenon of craving, and I'm back in that vicious cycle again. So this process of step four, uh, you know, instructs me that I can't do anything about anyone else. That's essentially what we learn here in the big picture. I can't do anything about anyone else. I can't have control over any other human being. The only thing I can do in the end is something about my own attitudes, right? It says, but with the alcoholic whose hope is the maintenance and growth of a spiritual experience, this business of resentment is infinitely grave. I must have the maintenance and growth of a spiritual experience. Now we're in the first action step, of course, which is step four, because all action is born in thought. So the fourth step is allowing me to examine, sometimes for the first time, the attitudes and the outlook upon life that we have been living with. You know, that first column shows me the, the people, the institutions, the principles that I've been resentful at that I wish weren't so, that I wish wouldn't ha- have happened in such a way. Column two, which is the cause, you know, is, is teaching me it's not the people, it's not the institutions, it's not really the principles that I resent, it's what they've done to me I resent. The third column is showing me it's not even what they've done to me. It's now what is affected through that situation. What is being affected? Is it my self-esteem? Is it my security? Is it my ambition? What I want out of life? Is it my personal or sex relations? What's being affected? So what step four teaches me is, is how I have chosen to react to those things which determines whether I'm going to be angry or not. This whole process is a process of teaching. It says, for when harboring such feelings, we shut ourselves off from the sunlight of spirit, the insanity of alcohol returns and we drink again. This blocks out God, and God cannot reach in my mind and take out those things that block me until I do my part, until I'm willing to do my part. And my part is to see what these things are and to look at them honestly and to do something about getting rid of them, uh, because only then can God begin to direct my thinking. And this is a process of facing myself, or I will always be running and I will never be truly free. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Leah. Would anyone else like to share before we move on to the next paragraph? Okay. Sally, would you please take us on to the next paragraph? Thank you, Amy. Can you hear me okay? I can hear you fine. Thank you. This is Sally in South Jersey, recovered compulsive overeater. If we were to live, we had to be free of anger the grouch, and the brainstorm were not for us. They may be the dubious luxury of normal men, but for alcoholics, these things are poison. And I'm going to stop there. When I first read this sentence, if we were to live, wasn't I living? Apparently I wasn't living. I wasn't living. We had to be free of anger. This um, this sentence we had to be free of anger, leads me back to that word harboring. That word harboring, just a few sentences up, it means to give home or shelter or protection to thoughts, harboring such feelings. We shut ourselves off from the sunlight of the spirit. So if we were to live, we had to take a look at what was being harbored what we were giving protection to, these, these thoughts that were sort of like a dog chasing his tail, going round and around and around and around and around in our minds. The grouch and the brainstorm were not for us. I thought when I first saw that, what's, what's this doing here, the grouch? Um, what has that got to do with resentment, that you become grumpy? The word grouch means habitually irritable, sulking. And when we have these negative thoughts, reliving, reinforcing our our victimhood, as was so beautifully put, when we have these thoughts going round and around and replayed in our minds, 
of course we're going to become habitually irritable and sulking. And then it goes on to say, and the brainstorm, this word brainstorm means violent disturbance of mind were not for us. And that's what it does to us. It's just going around and around and around these same thoughts. And it does create a violent disturbance of our mind. It stops us from any other thought. We're focused on these negative thoughts. And what they do to us is what causes us such discomfort that for me it was about get numb. I can't take this pain. I don't want to think. I don't want to feel. Get numb. And that is the driving force that led me back into the food. They may be the dubious luxury of normal men, but for alcoholics, these things are poison. Maybe for other people, they can you know, bring the committee to order and try to think their way through problems. But what this is telling me is that I don't have that luxury. I need to lay it down, lay it down in the room in my heart that is being shadowed by these negative thoughts. I need to open that door, pry off the nails that are holding that door shut so that, because it says here, it shuts us off from the, the sunlight of the spirit. So therefore, there's a room in my mind that I've got nailed shut that's dark, that's just empty, except that it is harboring, giving place to, giving protection to, giving a home to these negative thoughts that I have chosen to hold on to and ruminate over for so long. So here what we're, what we're saying in this fourth column is that we're, we're pulling the door open. We're letting the sunlight in. We're taking a look at this, and we're going to reconsider our responsibility. Reconsider, do I need to, make, do I need to forgive here? Reconsider what perhaps higher power wants to show us as the sunlight can finally flow in to these shadowed areas of our mind. Thanks for letting me share with that, I pass. Thank you, Sally. This is Amy. I am a recovered compulsive overeater from Maryland. But for alcoholics like these, these things are poison. I don't know if you all have heard that slogan before, that, po- that resentments are the slow poison that you take, hoping that it will kill somebody else. I just love their choice of words here. As others have said, this is pretty dire circumstances here. What have they said? They said before we started the fourth step that resentment is the number one offender. It destroys more alcoholics than anything else. The prior paragraph, we found that resentment is fatal and that with us to drink, is, and that, that, that brings us back to the food, brings us back to the alcohol, that this is something that we have to address. And when I did my fourth step and looked at those resentments, I also saw on that third column fear. And the reality was my life was based on fear, anger, and resentment, how I reacted to life. Leah was talking about our attitudes and our actions and our beliefs. And what it talks about in the beginning of the chapter of how it works is that those old ideas, those old ideas didn't get us anywhere. They were killing us and that we had to let go of them completely. The result was nil until we let go absolutely. And what this action step of, of step four does for us is that we are able to, for the first time, it wasn't that way for me. I didn't even realize how angry I really was. And by living this life of self-will run riot, all it did was perpetuate more fear, more anger, more resentment. And I looked at that list, and my sponsor said to me, how's it going for you, Amy? How has this life worked for you? And I had to honestly admit by looking at that list, you know, fear is fear of not getting what you want, fear of losing what you have, or fear of getting found out. I tried to control my life based on those fears. And when I didn't get what I wanted, you know, it talked about in that prior paragraph, but the more we fought and tried to have our own way, the worse matters got. When those things didn't happen for me, I bared down and tried to control it or I played the victim. When that didn't work, I got angry, and then I got more angry, and then I got resentful. And that's how I lived my entire life with a vicious cycle of self-will that perpetuated fear, anger, and then resentment. And that poison was destroying my life. It was destroying my life and leading me back to the food again and again and again. 
and not to beat a dead horse, but it is fatal. Because for me to continue eating the way I was eating was killing me. And it was destroying any opportunity, any hope I had. There's so much more to this disease than meets the mouth. And without the spiritual remedy that this program offers us, I was doomed. And I had to be willing to take a look and take stock of how it was I was living my life. I was the one that needed the personality change sufficient to bring about recovery. I could no longer point a finger at anyone else. I had to be willing to only look at the three fingers pointing back at me. I had to be willing to look at me, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And right now, it was the ugly because that's what I needed to face. I needed to understand that the problem was me, myself, and I. And it was only by first admitting and looking at that could I then move on through these action steps to begin that transformation, to have that connection with a higher power. But everything else was blocked by all of that resentment, choked and clogged. And if I wasn't willing to look, then I'd never find it and I'd never be able to let go of it. That poison had to go and it had to go quick. And that was the resentment. And I think we'll just take, with that I'll pass and we'll take maybe one more share before we move on to the next paragraph. Would anyone else like to share on what was read? Hi, this is Melanie. Melanie, go this ahead. This is Katie. Oh. Hello, this Hi, is Hi, good morning, Melanie. Amy. Go ahead, Melanie. Is, thank you. Hi, this is Melanie, Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Oregon. Great, passionate Hello. shares. I wanted to focus on um, uh, that may be the dubious luxury of normal men, but for alcoholics, these things are poison, and dubious meaning an uncertain luxury. And I, I see that they're, the author is making a comparison, uh, me, yeah, a compulsive overeater and a normal person. Why is it different for me than it is a normal person? Why do I need to be absolutely very clear about this matter? And certainly the folks who have shared before me have pointed out those very reasons. And then I can go on to to, uh, describe to you a little teeny bit about what it was like when I came into these rooms eight years ago um, on my knees, absolutely flat out broken, um, to a place where I had no other place to go than to consider this huge, huge undertaking. And that was all about the resentment. The resentment brought me to be able to tell you that I gave everything up for food. The resentment came to tell you that my epitaph on my uh, tombstone was going to read, this is what her legacy is, that she gave it all up for food. I was was almost 300 pounds, pounding down this kind of food. I would plan things like Leah was talking about, vengeance and revenge and stalking and all kinds of things to the exclusion of any other personal development for me personally. I wasn't the kind that had um, only a problem with food, but every other place in my life I was able to make good decisions and had good track record or had good credentials or had lots of labels and, and letters after my name. I had nothing. When I get angry, when I am mad, I do things with that. And what that did, it warped my mind completely into insanity that I developed nothing else in my life. And I say that with great, huge emotion because there was so much shame and humiliation associated with that because I was nowhere close to being like any of you. I gave it all up for food. That's why a normal person probably can be mad for a bit and deal with it, handle it, manage it, and it didn't, didn't warp them, didn't thwart their life, didn't stunt their living in the single digits emotionally and developmentally. It did for me. That's why it's critical. That's why they're given the comparison here. For me as an addict, for this particular addict that was a gutter, gutter, compulsive overeater, gave it all up for food, we're not fooling around here, folks. And with that, I pass. Thanks, Melanie. We'll go ahead, Sharon. Could you please move on to the next paragraph and read that for us, please? Sharon, press star one to unmute, Oh, this please. is Sharon. There we go. This is Sharon. Uh, thank you, Amy. And... Uh, I am a gratefully recovered compulsive overeater and very glad to be on the line with you this morning. We turn back to the list, for it held the key to the future. We were prepared to look at it 
from an entirely different angle. We began to see that the world and its people really dominated us. In that state, the wrongdoing of others, fancied or real, had power to actually kill. How could we escape? We saw that these resentments must be mastered, but how? We could not wish them away any more than alcohol. Oh, wow, another packed paragraph. Much, much is being said here. It, it, uh, first, we're, we're pausing and we're looking back at the list, recognizing that it holds the key to the future. Now, this is a really big statement here. All I've done is written down my resentments. All I've done is looked at the causes and, and how it affects me. And I'm being told that this holds the key to the future. The future. When I read this paragraph, I thought of another paragraph back on page 28 where it talks about we in our turn sought the same escape for, with, the, with all the desperation of drowning men. And I know I went through this. The only reason I went through this process was because I was desperate. And I was very much like a drowning uh, man or woman, I just was grabbing hold of this because I saw that it worked for others. I was told that it would work for me, and so I did it. And But here it says on page 28, what seemed at first a flimsy read, which it did for me. I mean, I'm just doing it. It doesn't make sense, but uh, I'm going to do it because that's what I'm told. It has proved to be the loving and powerful hand of God. Oh, well, God. This is all about God. And this is the hand of God. This is the direction. This is what God is asking me to do. This is what the powerful hand of God is. This is the movement that uh, God is, is causing or asking or, or prompting. This is the direction. And then this is the beautiful thing. A new life has been given us. Or if you prefer a design for living that really works. This is the beginning. This is the door opening for us as we go through this process. It's not just an exercise of fertility like the things we used to do. It is really, we are finally getting somewhere. So it says here, we are prepared to go forward because this is the powerful hand of God moving us. We're prepared to look at it from an entirely different angle. And that process is the design for living that really works. Looking at it from a different angle with new eyes, looking at it differently. Okay, before we, when we looked at it, we saw how, how we had been hurt, how we had been damaged, what people had done to us. And now we're being asked to look at it in a different way. And, uh, it's through this process, it's through this process that the door is going to be open. And we look at, looking at that very last sentence, we could not wish them away any more than alcohol. We can't wish them away. It's, this is where the loving hand of God comes in. And by going through this process, we are going to be recovered. We are going to be healed. We are going to be released from the bondages that we have been wrapped in. And it is the loving hand of God that is directing and leading us through this process. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Sharon. Sharon. Would anyone else like to write, Sharon, what was read? Katie. I heard Katie. Uh, Let's just start with Katie, please. And then Margaret was after me. Um, good morning, everyone. This is Katie, a recovered compulsive overeater in uh, Central Virginia. And um, we saw that these resentments must be mastered, but how? We could not wish them away any more than alcohol. And we've already established that alcohol, you know, is a subtle foe, that it, you know, grabs us by the neck, that we, you know, find ourselves pounding on the table, can't figure out how we started. Well, it's the same way with the resentment. I have to retrain my mind. And more importantly, I needed the help of my higher power. Um, you know, I 
And, and just because I've let go of resentment doesn't mean that resentful things don't happen. I was in a situation yesterday where, you know, my family is getting into this big storm through, not a big storm, they're really working hard not to, but it was easy to to jump in the middle of it or to make a phone call and start talking about it. And, you know, but these lines, you know, are, are stuck in my head. That is the dubious luxury of normal men to get into the muck and mire of, of personalities that I can't change. I have to, um, it says here, in that state, the wrongdoing of others, fancied or real, had power to actually kill. So if I, you know, stay stuck in my resentments, it's going to kill me. They're not mincing words here. They're not saying, you know, it's not a good idea. You may want to walk a different way. They're saying it has the same power as alcohol. And it has the same power as, you know, drinking poison. And for us, though, you know, drinking poison would kill us instantly. But this is just, um, you know, has been said, suicide on the layaway plan. I mean, we just are slowly poisoning ourselves. And the only way to get away from that is to stop feeding it. As, you know, was shared by a speaker a few weeks ago, you know, you have two things going on in your head, and one of them, you know, like two dogs. One is a good dog and one's a bad dog. And, you know, the question is which one, um, how, which one gets to live is the one that you feed. So if I keep waking up every morning thinking about uh, my resentments and the things that bother me about other people, I'm just going to be miserable. But this fourth step is helping us to clear away the wreckage of our past and to move on and to let go of the fact that we can't change other people. I have to, you know, what happened yesterday is a perfect example of that. I've been in recovery for 26, almost 26 years. These family members know all about it, but they're still acting under the same MO that they've always acted under. Now, am I going to get in the middle of it and shout and scream and, you know, want try to get my way? No. I have to surrender it to God because that is the dubious luxury of normal men to live in a state of uh of being discontent. I can't I can't do it. It doesn't um it doesn't work for me anymore. I, I get no satisfaction out of it. And that's the miracle is that not only do I not you know, as we say, not only do I not want to pick up the food not only do I not want to pick up my resentments anymore, I don't want to live that way anymore. I don't miss it. I don't wish that I could, you know, just be a crazy driver. When I'm a crazy driver, I feel awful. So this is telling us that we have to, um, we could wish them away. We could not wish them away any more than alcohol. So, you know, I think they're going to tell us we have to surrender to our higher power all our resentments too and our anger and our bitterness and all of those um, ugly things. And with that, I'll pass. Great. Thank you, Katie. Margaret, we've got time. Oh, we've got a good few morning, minutes. Amy. Good morning, Amy. Good morning, Vision, for you. Um, in that state, the wrongdoing of others, fancied or real, had power to actually kill. How could we escape you know, those words, how could we escape, just bring tears to my eyes because back on page nine, you know, in Bill's story when he saw Ebby, you know, he was sober. I wondered how he had escaped. And that, you know, has been, uh, you know, the thing that's kept me going. I had somebody very, very close in my life, a beautiful, beautiful person who died with just justifiable anger. I mean, it's very justifiable, but it was ugly and it was sad. And I knew I had to escape because if I didn't escape, that's what was waiting for me also. And so that was the driving force. That is the driving force for me. And thank God, every day on the line, we get to listen to people who have escaped, you know, and they can show us the way out. And just as uh, Katie was sharing, you know, we can't afford it day in and day out. It's, it's, a, it's a one day at a time thing. But um, we are really given a gift here. We are given such a gift that people can show us how we can escape from ourselves 
from our resentments, from our fears on a daily basis. And I'm so grateful. With that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Margaret. Uh, we have time for one more share. Who would this like is share? Bella. Can I share? Go ahead, Bella. Good morning. My name is Bella, and I am a compulsive overreader. Thank you very much for leading this meeting, and thank you very much, everybody, for being in the meeting. Wow, I like this paragraph and a few sentences I really liked. First, to look at it from an entirely different angle. Yes, it's to, to, think, to, to think about the resentment and to think about what it did to us. It's very painful, and maybe we, we would want to run away from this. But no, please look at this at a different angle, to look at this uh, as a healing process, a healing process to have a better life, uh, to, have, to, 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 to be able to live. And how we can look at this at a different angle, uh, it held the key. Yes, we, when we have a, a locked door, we need a key. If we don't have the right key, we cannot open the door. There is no way to open the door. And, and this is the key that we have. And till now, step one, two, and three, we are talking that we are powerless. We don't have power at all. We don't have control. And here is the key. We have the, con- the power to make a good choice, to do the better choice. And the key is in our hand. We have the key to change our life, to look at the key at a different angle, to look at this, at, at the process of the, of the step four in a positive way. And here is the hope, a key to a future. Yes, the, the, the resentment, if we look at this at a different angle, at the positive, it's, it's, the, it's the way, it's a bridge to go to the future, not to stay in the past, not to be busy again and again and again and again with our resentment, with our fear, with our anger. No, look at the future, how we can deal with this to have a better future. And we have the key. There is a hope. There is a solution. We can have a better future. We just have to look at the resentment at a different angle. And this is the key. This is the hope. And by this I will pass. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Bella. And I'm just going to jump in here for a quick second. How could we escape? You know, I want to stress the we here, especially to all the newcomers on the line. This is something we do that we could never do alone. Armed with the power of this program, the process of these 12 steps, especially with this action step four, I know it sounds overwhelming and intimidating, but the reality, this is the beginning of hope. This is the beginning of transformation. This is the beginning of the personality change. This is where it all begins. And I just want to offer that we, we who have recovered, we who are on this line, we who have shared, we offer a solution to help you. And there is a way out. There is a way out. There is a way to escape this merciless, merciless obsession of compulsive overeating. The freedom is here. And we offer that. If I can do it, and I'm sure everyone else who's recovered can say, if I can do it, you can do it as well. We are armed with a program here more powerful than this disease. It is true. The solution is here. The higher power is here. And we offer that to you. And with that, I'd like to thank everyone who has shared. We will now uh, close the meeting with a reading from the big book on page 164. Fran, would you kindly read that, please? Yes. Good morning, Amy. Good morning, Vision for You. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. 
Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.